Hey friends, it's Ashley. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about the Patreon, which I hate talking about and I feel like I want to crawl into my sweater even bringing it up, but it's an important way that this podcast stays alive. Through big and small donations from listeners, we're able to bring you interesting and relevant stories about the coffee world. You can donate anywhere from a dollar a month to $25, and your donations are what keep this whole project going. We're going to be talking about the Patreon a little bit more in the coming weeks. So if you can, please consider donating by going to patreon.com slash bossbarista. If you've benefited at all from this show, especially if you're in a position of power, I urge you to consider making a donation. Okay, now on to the show. Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I imagine most of you have had a job where the hierarchy is pretty simple. There are employees and there are managers. There are usually fewer managers than there are employees. And the biggest difference between the two titles are the tasks that you do every day. Maybe you as an employee do more of the actual on the ground work, like ringing up customers, while the manager does things like make a schedule. However, both of these jobs are necessary to making a place run well. You need both people doing things like ringing up customers or making a schedule to make things work. Both might be necessary, but the manager, that person sitting in a room tinkering away on a computer, is usually making more money than you. Most people strive for this. They strive to become the manager of the place that they work at. It's both a job that you're conditioned to believe that you should move up into. It's the job that we tell folks to aim for or work towards, but it's also a job you can easily become resentful of because why should a manager make more money than you? The hierarchy of service workers and managers is infuriating, especially when you're at the bottom, but it's somehow designed to make you strive for the very position that you're resentful of, mostly because of money and how competitive it can get when a bunch of people are fighting for just a few jobs is also part of it. It turns people against each other and makes workspaces hostile and competitive for no reason. A group of baristas in Louisville were fed up with how little they were making and were just sick of fighting for these so-called prestigious jobs. So they decided to do something about it. Together, they started Full Stop Station, a cooperatively operated coffee shop. Everybody makes the same amount of money, no matter what, and the team rotates managers every two weeks. I know, it sounds pretty chaotic, but they've been open for five months, and so far, it's working. However, it's not always easy. It requires tons of planning and pushing your limits on communication and how to handle conflict. So I talked to Sarah Hewitt-Ball, one of Full Stop's members, and she explained how this works in reality. This is probably one of my favorite interviews because I didn't actually know Sarah at all before I interviewed her. She was suggested to me by my friend, Steve Reinhardt, and I learned more from her than I've learned in a long, long time. Get ready to take notes and rethink the way that you consider upward mobility and power structures. I'm Sarah Hewitt-Ball. I live in Louisville, Kentucky-ish. I actually live in Indiana, but 
as we've discussed, it's pretty much the same. Um, and yeah, uh, this year I worked with a bunch of people to op- a, open a co-op coffee shop. Cool. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, so it's kind of a lot to explain, but the basis of it is really, really simple. Everybody on staff has equal pay and equal say. That's the biggest thing. Anytime we make decisions, they everyone gets to weigh in. And is that going to be hard? No. You sure? No. Sarah's dog's in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time we make a decision, um, if it's not something that's very simple and unanimous that we talk about at our biweekly meetings, we put it on the docket for a vote the following meeting. So everybody has time to talk about it and make a case for what they think. Then when we come back together, we hear everybody out and make that decision together. So let's go backwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you get involved in coffee to start? Sure. So honestly, when I was 15, ages ago, I started working at a coffee shop, a really small shop, but was really, really lucky that the person who owned that shop was actually really into coffee. Like it was kind of on you know the beginning of people really delving into it. So he provided a ton of literature and it was just be around the shop. And I got really into it and started looking into places that I could keep, you know, exploring more and moving up. And that meant going through the Starbucks and going through all these different places to finally land at a place that, you know, really empowered me to learn more. So that was the beginning. And then what, where did like the ideas for the co-op kind of start? So I initially, after I graduated um, with a degree in German, um, I have a degree in sociology. So like like, (laughs) useless degrees. Yeah, sure. And I loved it, but you know, I'm not using it. Anyhow, I, uh, I was really looking into public policy, but decided I would take some time to just volunteer and do some internships around town to see like what I really wanted to work on. And what I found was that I kind of already had interests in the coffee shops I was already in and making the workplace more friendly to everybody that was there. So I started, you know, researching ways to make ownership of these smaller places. What does that look like? How do co-ops get built in this situation? And there weren't a lot of examples in our field. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where it started. And I just started looking around elsewhere at other businesses to figure out how does it work and why aren't we doing this? Like, why aren't we making it a place of growth for baristas? So So you talked a little bit about the model of full stop about how, you know, you guys have biweekly meetings and you vote on things together. But could you talk a little bit more about like kind of the foundation of the co-op? Like how are people hired? Sure. How are they paid? Mm-hmm. So everyone starts out at the same exact wage, which what's so exciting about a co-op, you get to make more money because you're not paying a, a huge salary to a manager or to one person to either run your Instagram or do all these things that actually, if you're hiring people who are, you know, smart and adults, they can do that stuff. Like maybe we don't have the most professional social media or anything, but it represents us and everyone has a part in it. Um, When we hire, we do group interviews. Everyone's welcome to come. And it's kind of great because everyone brings their own questions and stuff to the table. So we vote as well on the people that we're going to hire. So we kind of talk it out and have to decide together whether that's the thing. And it's the same with firing, which we're not there, you know, if, but if ever did happen, we would have to get together and decide on that, you know, vote together and everyone would have to agree. So how do you guys divide up responsibilities? Like who takes on what? Is it based on like interest or talent or? 
So the way that we decided it would work best because we do food, you know, we have a full kitchen, we bake our pastries, we do a ton of stuff, a lot of vegan offerings and try to reach everyone. And of course, coffee is first and foremost. So you have to be talented in every area, which is, it's asking a lot. But what's so exciting, I think, is that everybody wanted to learn. They wanted to learn more. They wanted to even do the like administration side, doing the accounting and learning all that because it's it's transparency. We all know what's going on. And every time we meet, we get to see that and see the numbers. So the way it's divided up, I think maybe explaining it might sound complicated, but no, do it's, it. pretty, um, it's pretty simple when you break it down. Um, we have every week or every two weeks when we meet, there is a schedule picking order. It rotates. We started out alphabetically and now it's just where it's at. That person is basically the manager for those two weeks in between. So it's kind of great. There's like a folder set aside of like, here are the things that you will have to do that those two weeks. And it's really simple doing the payroll, things like that. It's all outlined, very simple in a book for you. So if you have questions, you know, we were each other's resource, but it's really simple. Like it's all laid out. And as far as like the ordering and keeping inventory and all of that, it's shift based. So if you work, there's one of four shifts per day, that's all laid out for you in a sheet for that day. So weekly, we can see that someone's had initialed that and it's done. I mean, because it's a huge deal, like making sure that someone does the coffee order, we would run out. <laughs> it's a little scary since we're getting it so far away, you know. Um, but yeah, any little thing, it's all written down and it's all kept track of based on your shift that day. So you know how to do it because, you know, we all work every single shift. We rotate. So, so pretty much any time... You could shift anybody anywhere and everyone knows how to do everything. Exactly. Everyone is a resource for anything. It sounds like there was a lot of planning to make this possible. You're just like emphatically nodding your head. Yes. I mean, it's huge. And we started off, I was like kind of the interim manager on purpose because I spent the last year and a half working through like, what would it be like? Like if this came up, how would we solve it? And having a system in place, like a fail-safe, that would make sure that those things were taken care of or that there were resources, we, like, highly utilize Google Drive. Everyone has access to it, and there are, like, these tons of, like, crisp folders in there that you can hit a topic, and it'll, it'll explain to you how to do something or how to log in if, if something happened. So it was a ton of planning, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that that's just, again, starting without a model to work from, that's what it took. And when you do get a bunch of people who are excited to take charge of their workplace, it works. You know, everyone wanted to make it work. And there was no, like, freaking out because it was hard in the beginning. It was more like excitement of how do we make a system that flows well and how do we make this work together? So it was cool. It was nice. So we were so we were in the car. We were driving over here. And something that we kind of talked about a little bit was, like, hiring and, like, models in other coffee shops where people are kind of expected to only be there for a little bit or there's no upward mobility. And I'm kind of wondering how you approached hiring when you first, when you first opened. Cause I feel like my, like the, what I'm here, what I'm hearing here is amazing. And then I hear people like trying to be like, well, you have to hire the right people for that. And I don't know that that's necessarily true as much as it is to like, just trust people. Sure. So like, I wonder like how you approach that. Like what's What's the balance between finding the right people and just like empowering them to do the right things? I would say in our hiring, it has been so apparent that it was a fit or not by explaining to them the responsibilities. 
people who want to take on that kind of responsibility and want ownership in a place, like I've felt that at shops I've worked at before where I, I kind of mentioned to you before, I wanted to take the lead on things and I wanted to make our shop better or, you know, just somehow be a part of the decision-making, whereas usually it's somebody who's not there making the decisions from the top down. And the reason that that doesn't work is because they're not there to see what's happening. So I think when you're explaining to someone in an interview, here's our handbook, please read through it and tell us if you have questions and if you agree with it. And if you don't, if it doesn't seem like the right fit, like let us know. And it has worked. We've honestly screened a lot of people who see that and it's scary because they just want a job where they just clock in and check out, right? You know, people think of that sometimes like coffee is, they're going to just come in and hang out at a coffee bar and that's not what we do at all. Like we're so busy and on task at all times because we have so much responsibility, but we love it because we all shape it. Each one of us gets to decide how it works. So yeah, I think you kind of naturally find the right fit because people are excited to have that kind of ownership and know that when we profit, they profit. It's not separate. Yeah, let's let's talk about that because you also hire people who ideally are going to be in it for the long haul. So like, can you talk a little bit about what you were seeing before in terms of people maybe not being able to move up or mm-hmm. actually make a living wage? Like I know living wage is a big deal for sure. full stop. So how do you approach like giving people kind of a future? Yeah, I mean- Again, at other shops, it always felt like everyone at the top is making so much more money as if their time is that much more valuable. I know we mentioned in the car that it doesn't make sense to me that the person that's on the front line showing up every day at, what, 5 a.m. and being the face of your company, making sure that people are taken care of and making sure that your store looks great and functions well – that they're not being compensated in a way that they can live healthily and comfortably. That's very strange to me. And yeah, I think that it's so important that we start moving towards those models everywhere because why would we only want people at the top to have this huge chunk of what everyone else is building? It doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I think it has to happen or else we're going to find a lot of people not being able to like build their own future. What have been some of like the biggest struggles in opening a co-op business? Because I mean, there are not a lot of people doing it. Sure. I mean, kind of what we were talking about earlier, figuring out a smooth operation, how to make these things work is hard when you're starting from scratch. But I, I think transparency is key. I was just talking with someone yesterday about how I want to share our handbook so that if other people want to do this, like they don't have to start from scratch. They can kind of see how we work and and share all of our different compartments and how it functions and because that's that's exciting we should be sharing that stuff with each other like so many shops i've worked at are very secretive about profits or about where money is being spent whereas us every two weeks the owner of the building comes in and shows us a layout of exactly where the money went exactly what we spend exactly what we made and how that looks so we are allowed to make decisions on where we spend the money like on products and do we need to find a cheaper way to do something or is it worth investing in something that's doing well? Um, That's huge. You know, how often has that happened, you know, where you actually get to see it all? Um, So that's a huge deal. I don't know if that answers that very well, but no, that was a great answer. Transparency is just the key. I've never felt that at any company I've been with. They'll tell you why they're making the decision, but they won't show you. And again, if you're hiring people that you want 
to be around for a career or to like stick around with your business and invest with you, you have to tell them what's going on. Like it's not fair to keep that information secret and make your decisions in quiet and secret. That's very strange to me. Why would, why do you think people do that? Make decisions without being transparent because it feels like you're talking about this like super radical model, but really no, you're it's, not. It's everywhere. I, I don't think that there is, I mean, and again, no, no digs to anyone in town. I, we want them to be successful and we want everybody in this town to be a place that is like a great place to work. You know, like I want everyone to like benefit from these things. Um, but I, I don't know if it's fear of giving over control, you know, if they are afraid that if they admit to where the money's going, that they can't really, you know, stand behind it or that their employees won't appreciate it. I don't know because there's no transparency, you know, I don't really get it. I don't know what the secrecy is all about. You mentioned earlier that a lot of people in Louisville kind of hire students, people who they expect to maybe not be there forever or can kind of handle whatever the starting wage is. I think you mentioned it's usually about $8 an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, So how are you guys kind of doing the opposite of that? Like how, how do you kind of say like, no, this is not, we don't believe in just like burn and turn. We believe in like investing in people. Again, I think that when you tell somebody up front that, we're going to invest in you. Like when we hire someone, for example, this is one kind of thing I think is special. Anytime I've been hired at a shop and you're going through training, usually you don't make tips, right? Like they'll kind of, you're on the back burner, but you get to be there and witness everything and go through it all, but you're not doing that. That's one thing we do up front. As soon as you're in the fold, like we're treating you like you're one of us and you're going to also take on that responsibility right away. But you're going to be compensated extra because of that. Like we, we do well and we share tips across the board so there's no shifts where you're like, oh, I don't want to work that because it's not going to be busy or, or, you know, or I don't want to be in the kitchen because of that. Everyone makes the same um, again. And I think when you start telling people how much responsibility it is, and but then also how much we're going to care for you, you know right away that you're being invested in, if that makes any sense. Like there's a sense of like, I'm a part of this and my opinions are important. I'm going to be asked like how I feel about these things and you have to be paying attention or else you're not a part of the conversation and it doesn't really work that way. So can you take me kind of from start to finish of opening a co-op business? Like when did this idea kind of first start to like day one of opening? Sure. Oh my gosh. I've been dragging some of my friends which happen to be in coffee because you know how it goes. You, some of your best friends exactly, are yeah. always going to be the people that you're working next to day to day. Um, I've drugged them to like conferences recently just to like learn about it from some of my favorite authors. Um, Marjorie Kelly and Gar Alperovitz are two really great examples of people who have been promoting ownership models across the U.S. just in every field. Um, so that's kind of how I got really inspired and just kept reading about why it's possible and how to do it. Um, so just a ton of reading. And then I think that the best advice that I got was just to tell everybody that you meet what you want to do, you know, like, what are you excited about and what do you want to see happen in your community? And I did, I just kept telling people like, have you heard of this? Like, what do you think? Can you think it's possible? And long story short, I got introduced to someone who made it possible. Like someone who like believed in what we were talking about and had the financial ability to like make it happen. So that's pretty huge. And after that, it was just a long year and a half of organizing and organizing 
over and over while you're making sure that it's like a wonderful bar flow, like bringing all your like experience and skills to the table and getting everybody who, which I will say one of the hardest things was getting, not getting people excited. Like we had a lot of people who were like, that sounds cool. How do I get involved? And I'm like, okay, look, we don't have a business yet, but (laughs) (laughs) like if you're interested in just like meeting and talking about it, let's do it. And we did. We just would meet and make this our like priority and it, it worked. So that's what's so exciting about it. And we would just talk about how does this look? Like, will people be willing to take on the responsibility and keep it up because it matters? And it, and we did. We found those people just by talking about it and talking about it until we got it built. So, Did anyone tell you that this was a bad idea or it couldn't be done? Not only do people think that it can't be done, we had people who, while they were excited about the idea were so scared that it wouldn't work, they backed out at the last second, which is scary and hard, like when you think you have a staff set up. But how, you know, in the beginning, when you're opening something so fresh and new, it's hard to get people on board until you can pay, you know, which I would not ever make anyone do anything on their own time. I was like, look, just, you know, if you feel like learning about this, cool. But if not, like, it was more of like a club situation, right, leading up to that, where we were just invested in the idea and not getting paid. So... (laughs) When we finally did and it took off, we got so many people in town excited and coming to like do stories on us and what was happening that the people that backed out, we felt so bad because a lot of people did come and go, well, can I work here now? Because they saw how successful yeah. it was and that immediately it worked, it, which was sad because all the people who got nervous, like we don't have a place now because we don't have a turnover rate because everyone is just so rewarded and invested. So. That's pretty incredible that you guys don't have any turnover. It's really crazy. I mean, we are like a family now and we rely on each other and it feels really, really good. I've like heard so many people on staff say that it's the best job they've ever had because you don't have any like manager who's coming and like looking for you to do something wrong. You know, nobody's fighting to move up. Everyone, I kind of said that in the car. I, I feel like everyone's fighting to lift each other up. Because the better one person does, we all do better. We are doing better together. So it's such a like healthy community where I've never felt that before, where there's no resentment because we're all doing the same things. You know, we, uh, we're not criticizing each other. We're improving one another. When you like are commenting, it's like exciting because you learn from each other instead of feeling like someone is knocking you down or like criticizing, I guess. That's, that's really cool. The model of your cafe is so radically different from like anything I've ever seen, especially in the South, or I guess, would we call this the South? People do. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I drove five hours from Chicago, so that doesn't quite feel right. But I then know. I'm like, I'm in Kentucky and that feels like the South, like that feels like I should be saying that. Anyway, yeah. Midwest maybe? I know. I feel like we're categorized both ways. You know? Either whatever. Choose your own adventure on this one. <laughs> um, it's so radically different from anything I would see specifically in this like region where I would imagine there's a lot of a lot of churchgoers and a lot mm-hmm. of coffee shops and churches and also a lot of people who voted red. Sure. So like how do you kind of bring people into the fold on that? Because mm-hmm. I imagine that there are probably people who are also politically like this is not like this is this is socialism. This sure. is this this is like not capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like I, how how do you battle that? I mean, I think that our diverse customer base kind of speaks for itself. We've kind of teased about it sometimes, like how 
radically different people are that come in the door. We live in a neighborhood that's very, very diverse economically, everything, every way you can look at it. It's very interesting to see so many people come together. You saw it. Like, it's an intersection of, like, five streets. Yeah. It's very awkward. <laughs> but we, that's kind of crazy because it's all these neighborhoods merging together in one place. So you're right. There are a ton of different political views, religious views. It's saturated here. You know, it's – sure, it's kind of a big city, but we are typically – categorized as Southern and this is the Bible Belt and that's what people seek out. So we still have people come in and ask sometimes like, what church do you go to? And that's, you know, what a bizarre question that I've always been asked if you, I don't know if that ever happens to you. That has never happened see, to that me. happens to me at every shop I've ever worked at. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I feel really, really good about being at this place because I can, you know, I can answer that without feeling uncomfortable because we don't have an affiliation. But I think... When you're trying to explain to people why this actually has no political polarization, it's doing what's best for every single person on the staff. Like, if it's socialism, is it bad? You know, like, is it bad that everybody has a say and is trying to make this the best place for one another? Like, isn't that kind of what we wish we could all have? It's just proving, like, when people come in the door, we've had so many comments too about, everyone just seems really happy here. Why is everybody in such a good mood? Like, why are they enjoying their job so much? And I'm like, doesn't that kind of show you that it works? Like, that we should be looking out for one another? It's funny how radical an idea that, like, there's dignity in work is. Because, like you just said, people expect to be unhappy at work. Right, right. So, like, the idea that, like, you can come to work and be happy and feel good about the work you do kind of is mind-blowing in a way. Why? But why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. I always talk like um, I've traveled a lot like being in a band and my major was sort of helpful for that at least. I got to use some German. But the thing that I really love about being there was that anywhere you went in, everyone was like happy and healthy and seemed very happy to be there. I mean, even a McDonald's where in America, if you go in, typically like it doesn't seem like that person wants to be there, right? They're not getting paid enough to be like be happy about their job. So why not, again, just distribute it in a way that everybody is valued? Like, that's definitely what's happening over there. And yeah, it's socialism. But if you take a label off of it and you just talk about, like, wouldn't you want to be happy no matter what job you had to do if that was your only option? Shouldn't you be paid enough to live and enjoy your life? It doesn't seem so radical when you put it that way. I think when we start getting into labels and trying to be divisive about why we think something wouldn't work, sure, that's really easy. But when you can say it is working and you see it for yourself, then it, it doesn't matter anymore. And I don't think that our customers are thinking about that so much, but they do see how happy everyone is. And it's nice to like go somewhere where you know that the employees are being supported, that they're all trying to work towards like a sustainable model. We're trying to be environmentally friendly. I mean, we're just trying to do the best we can with what we have. You mentioned the environmentally friendly aspect of your cafe. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Sure. One of the reasons we partnered with Ritual is that they care about it too. Um, their bags are biodegradable. That was important. We're really like trying to work towards the zero waste model. A lot of places I've worked in town, that's like not even an option. We can't compost or recycle, which is crazy. It just seems like something we have to invest in. We just cannot 
keep contributing to the waste and the like, you know, tearing down of the earth. It's it's scary. So um, Christopher Kelly, the building owner, um, has a biofuel business and he wanted to really incorporate that into what we're doing. So we offer biofuel and um, electric charge, charging station. That's free. You know, it's just something that we offer people while they're waiting. You can come and charge up and get a coffee, the best coffee. And um, It's true. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> so it's just, we also like all of our products we, we use are compostable or biodegradable. Like I know I, also, I usually feel guilty about getting a straw somewhere. Ours is made of corn and it's going to melt if I put it in something. So it's like, I feel better if I do have to take something away, knowing that it's not just going to like sit in a landfill like plastic forever. So. I know I thought about that when I was in your cafe. I was like, wait, I have a reusable cup somewhere. Where is it? And then, right. and then when you mentioned how everything's biodegradable, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. It just makes you feel better. And I think we could get better about telling people that. Even our to-go bags, we have, they're all biodegradable. Like they're, you know, just, you don't have to feel bad about coming in if you do have to go on the go. You know, we want to make sure you're comfortable either way and you're doing the right thing, so. So I think some of the model and some of the ideas that you have for full stop kind of come from like experiences that you've had working in the Louisville coffee scene for so long. Can you talk a little bit about like what you were seeing in like your past jobs or you were seeing happen to like other, even people who work for you now, Mm -hmm. like what, what is like a typical barista job like here? Sure. Um, you know what, we kind of talked earlier about how there's not a lot of room to move up. You start out at a low wage, then there are a couple people at the top who get a salary and that's kind of it. There's not a lot of room for growth, you know, whether even if there is a job created, oftentimes what would happen if there was a male who had a kid, it was like suddenly there was a job open for them, which is really frustrating because on the other end of it, we saw a lot of women who when they were pregnant, got shamed, and were asked not to talk about their pregnancy or were not offered a job to come back after their pregnancy, even though like it would be like two to three months later and they said they wanted to. Or when people did come back, they were told there wasn't going to be somewhere for them to like pump or breastfeed, which is a huge deal. If you want to keep people around and take care of your employees, you have to consider every life stage and what that looks like. So again, that's just a couple of things, even like hiring your buddies instead of like hiring from within and figuring out who's been working hard and who's been here forever and who would really be, who can we give a chance to like take over something and really run with it? That's, it's really sad when you look around and you know that you'll never get to move up in a company, but they might make a position for one of their buddies that has never done this. It's, it's so unfair. So we just, all of us have been burned by that. Everybody at our shop has felt that before. So we just wanted it to be really, really empowering and make sure that they knew that they were going to have a say in how we hire and how we do everything. So hopefully that's reflected. <laughs> I think so. I think it is. Even like going in today before I saw you, everyone just seems like we're cool. We're happy to be here. <laughs> this is a great place. Like everyone just felt like excited to be there as opposed to like the old barista tropes of like the sulky, like brooding barista. Not that that really exists anymore, I don't think, but. It, it does. It here? Really okay, does. I'm going to go around more then. It, it does. And I have actually, I think I was telling you about how I met with someone yesterday who's trying to do a sustainable cafe as well. And 
it was just so fun to share because like I said, I think we should be sharing all of these things so that people can get a leg up and you don't have to start from the beginning. Um, and he mentioned going to shops in town where he can't figure out like what they're about and it feels very cold and no one's really accessible when you walk in. And I think that is the last thing we want to happen when you come to our shop. Like we've got a lot going on and we want to tell you about it and we're there to accommodate, you know, we want people in each section of our city, each section of our neighborhood to feel like there's something there for them and that they can learn something. Cause we are all like very knowledgeable in different places. And we want to pass that on. Like we're here to have a good time and share it. So has there ever been a time where the group has like disagreed vehemently on something? Gosh, we did. I'm trying to remember what the vote was on. Okay. No, I do remember. It was about, um, and it's funny because it came up because of a shop that a lot of us had worked at, um, apparel. It was about what we could wear on our shirts or hats or whatever, whether it was okay to have a political statement or if we felt like we were going to alienate people. So the, the vote came down to, no, you can't wear any political opinion on your person. <laughs> this is great. Or yes, you can wear anything you want. Or C, we're all adults and we can just talk about it on a case-to-case -case basis. And that's what we voted for. And But there were a couple of people who didn't want us to do it at all. And not because they weren't, we're all pretty similar, you know, not on every issue, but on a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want to alienate customers. And I get that. I do think that that is fine. But I also feel like we should be able to express ourselves. And so it's nice that we kind of came to the decision that like, if it ever becomes a problem, we'll talk about it again. But for now everyone just fly your flag and it's great. It's it's interesting that you you mentioned this disagreement because I wonder how in general disagreements are handled because I imagine you're not going to agree on everything and there sure. has to be a system for you all to like come together and be like okay mm -hmm. this is a problem that we're having how do we talk about it? I mean this is another thing that I think so many people fear and think it's going to be a huge problem. It has been incredible to see how Again, I think I mentioned earlier, we wait. We don't ever rush into things. Like we're very intentional and slow because we want to make sure that everyone's heard and that we're not just like putting a Band-Aid on something. Like we're really trying to be thoughtful. So you have two weeks to kind of like make your case and think about it. and Because you guys have like bi-monthly bi meetings, right? Totally, yeah. So they come, everyone who does have an opinion, like a strong opinion, comes prepared. Like there's very much a, a like round table of, okay, let's go around and whoever wants to speak, take your time and make your case. I swear every single time we have had a disagreement or something come up, it, it becomes very obvious in the discussion where we're going to land. Like it's, it's very cool. Like whoever does the most research and finds the most answers, it works, you know, like people get it when it's explained why it will work or why this seems to be the right thing to do. It's just nice, you know? And we do have bylaws that kind of shape, like, making sure that we're not being discriminatory or all these different things. So if, if there's ever a question, too, we kind of will pull out sections of the book and go, hey, does this really fall in line with our values and, like, what we want to do for our community? So it's been simple. I, it sounds like it would be hard, but usually the right thing to do isn't hard to identify, you know? It's not about usually, I mean, you have to make a profit. Don't get me wrong. But what I do love is that we're not thinking about the ways to make the most money. We're thinking about what's the right thing to do. And that's, it's not that hard. That's pretty cool. It, <laughs> that's it, like a pretty cool thing to like land on. Like, oh, 
doing the right thing isn't that hard. It's not. I think usually when you do discuss with people and and do some research about what impact things are going to have, whether that's on the environment or on the people in your business or the people you're serving, it it's not usually hard. You know, people like to act like things are are intertwined, but when you have discussions and you break it down, it's not. So it feels really good. What would you want people who are maybe thinking about opening a co-op or maybe want to move their business to a co-op model or even just make things slightly more equitable mm-hmm. in their in their cafes? Like what would they what would be like the first thing you would tell them? Man, I would say, I mean, I this is just for us, and I don't know if this is the best for everyone, but I mentioned to you how hard it was for me to find the handbook and the bylaws that made sense for us. But when you like really do write down your values and and lay out what's important to you, that makes the rest of things very simple. Like when you can always go back and say like, this is what we stand for. Does it fall in line or not? That's easy. You know, it's just like you need to decide kind of who you're invested in and what you're trying to do. And then everything kind of follows. So I would say like, see what people are doing. And if you can't find exactly what you want, work with the people that are going to be doing it and write it, you know, write it out. We all edited it before we like made it official. Everyone passed it around and had notes. Like I said, we utilized the Google Drive like crazy. <laughs> so there's tons of little notes and it's fun because then you go in and see someone's opinion and go, wow, that makes sense. Why didn't we think of that? And it, it's better because everybody contributed. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The idea that like you just need to write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something that we did for Boss Barista when we first started. I keep saying we, it's like the royal we. Um, <laughs> but before when, um, when my co-host Jasper was on the show, we like wrote down like, what are our bylaws? And they were really simple. It was just like three sentences. It's like, what are our values? And then every time we invited a guest, we were like, does this person fall in line with the values that we have? And it's actually made like the vision of this podcast really, really clear. Yeah. So, so it's cool to see that like, all you really need to do is like take a minute like and write it down. I think people kind of forget that like working on a business or working on just like any any bigger idea requires you to like look inward and think about the business itself and not just like opening the door and selling coffee, you know? I agree and something that I feel like I was and I know that I'm not alone in this, but I felt very undervalued all of the years that I like managed or worked really hard for someone and not just doing coffee. I told you like it was very much construction and business plan and things that were, you know, I had not experienced, but because of having experience in the business, you do have an instinct for it. Like I would tell anybody out there who's afraid to, to go for it or who feels like they don't have like, Oh, I don't, I've never made a business plan. It's not really a, about that. Even though of course it's important to like have a solid like financial plan and you know know where everything's going to come from. That is not you don't have to have a business degree. You just have to know what you want to accomplish and know that there's a need for it. So, it's it's not as scary as it sounds. I was discouraged for years from doing this and finally meeting someone who like believed in it and was empowering. That's pretty amazing. I think it's pretty powerful what you said earlier about just like saying things out loud and like sharing your vision. Um, I think that that's just something that needs to be repeated for the listeners. I mean it like, I'm so glad that I was told that because the more you share what you are excited about or interested in and you run that past people you just meet. I mean, I have done this even just moving over here to a new city, walking down the street and meeting neighbors and talking about things and getting in a huge conversation 
people want to be involved. Like you're going to meet the right people. It happened in hiring. The reason we came up with such an incredible staff who literally put the shop together. I mean, we worked on this and so hard. It was word of mouth and it was just telling people like what we were excited about and the people who are going to share that vision will come out. You know, you're going to find it if you just keep telling people. So, yeah. What does the future of Full Stop look like? Man, I mean, I think we're just going to get, we've been open for what, five months? And it, I feel like we just improve and improve on everything. And the more like needs that we see in our community, we're able to just expand. You know, we keep, it, again, the difference between having to go to a manager who has to go to the GM, who has to go to the owner, and everybody being a manager is that that decision can be made that day if something is silly and you know it and it has to be changed, we do it. So I just hope that we keep being able to like grow and be a place for more people to share in this. Like we're hoping to expand our hours, put more seating out front, you know, make it into a beer garden and just really like just utilize this amazing space we've been given. So hopefully we can just offer more and more things to our community. Is there anything else you want people to know about you? Oh, man. I don't know. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> well, where are we right now? We're in your house. Yeah. Which uh, is beautiful. Thank you. We've spent, this is our fourth year here. We just started doing the outside. We It was a, a total gut and remodel. My partner, Noah, and I have been doing this for quite a few years. We've done a lot of other houses here in Jeffersonville. It's a, a big passion project. We both love to restore things to their not so original beauty, but keeping all the old elements and making it, you know, functional and new and, and great. So it's been a blast. We love it over here. Thanks for talking with me today. It is so nice to meet you. I appreciate it. Boss Barista is made by me, Ashley Rodriguez, in collaboration with Good Beer Hunting, which is an industry-leading design studio, editorial platform, and podcast examining all the ways we look at the things that we eat and drink. You can check out more at goodbeerhunting.com. Seriously, their stories are incredible. My favorite series right now is the Humanity and Hospitality series that they've been running for the past couple of months, examining different ways that we look at people in the service industry. Special thanks to Jesse Raub and Jordan Stalling. Also special thanks to our music contributors, the band Lost in the Sun. You've made this podcast sound incredible. I'm just looking for a better day.